I've decided that these intros into these episodes need to be shorter because most of the time when I listen to podcasts, like any podcast that I listen to, if they have any sort of like introduction or promos or sponsorships or whatever like that, I usually end up fast forwarding through that shit. So I'm just assuming that the listener out there is doing the same thing because I would if I listened to this podcast. So we're going to try to make them shorter. Um, And now I blank out is how I was planning on doing that. <laughs> so we'll just get right to it. How's that sound? This episode is brought to you by The Refinery Barbershop. The Refinery Barbershop is located in Springville, Utah, and it is a great place for men to not just get a haircut, not just get their beard trimmed or get a shave, but really get some quality time in a healthy environment supporting their well-being and their overall health. Honestly and truthfully, that's what the Refinery Barbershop does and what they create there. Go check them out online. You can book and schedule your appointments online at their website, refinerybarbershop.com. They have a Facebook page, they have an Instagram, all those kind of fun social media things. Go show them some love, go support the Refinery Barbershop. And when you are in there getting your hair cut or getting your beard trimmed, talk to your barber about their Energy is Love podcast and tell them that you heard about them on the show. And maybe they'll give you a free haircut. I don't think they will, but maybe. So our guest on today's show is Stephen Roccazella. Yes, Stephen happens to be the owner of the Refinery Barbershop, but that's not why he's on the podcast. Stephen is an incredibly good friend of mine, and you've heard him on the podcast before. He was on like a year and a half ago. It was a while ago. It's been a while since he's been on the podcast. And I wanted him to come back on the show just to fucking, he's just a stud. He's just awesome, and he's amazing. And him and I have amazing conversations, so it was fun to have him back on the show Stephen is, yes, the owner of the Refinery Barbershop. He he sits in the men's group that we have here in Salt Lake City. This month, he's going back to L.A. to continue the process to become a certified Wim Hof instructor. Uh, he's just an amazing man. He does a bunch of different things. And at the core of who he is, Stephen is all about helping people live happy, healthy, better versions of themselves. He's very, very good at helping people see themselves in a better light, I guess. Yeah, he definitely does that. But he's an amazing man, and we have a lot in common, so it's a fun episode. We really, really get cooking about an hour in. We got into some super good fucking stuff. So it's fun. It's enlightening as always, and hopefully enjoyable for you, the listener, to sit back, relax, and enjoy. Here we go with another episode Featuring Stephen Roccazella. I love you, man. Enjoy. You're listening to the Energy is Love podcast. Energy is love. The Energy is the love podcast. The Energy is Love podcast. Energy is love. The Energy is Love podcast. The podcast for the universe. The Energy is Love podcast. <laughs> does it sound weird? It does. <laughs> Get used to the volume of my voice. It doesn't sound I mean. weird. Yeah. No, it's good. Okay. <sighs> Big fucking deep breath. How are you, man? I'm good. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting good. Yeah. I'm getting there. Yeah. <laughs> I always hate this fucking first part. Like, I never know what to... I like... What I like is when this first part is 
I start the like when the episode comes in, it's already like mid conversation, and you feel like you just jumped in on the conversation and you don't really know how it started. That's what I like. Okay. So, so we just have to have a fucking unnatural, normal conversation (laughs) that comes in. All right. Are you nervous? Yeah, maybe a little. Yeah. I don't know why. It's This is my fourth time doing a podcast. I know, so. you seem super uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, I got some stuff on my mind, but it'll. I'm hoping that as we just talk and do our thing, it'll hey, go away relax. for a bit. You gotta relax. Yeah. Pretend for a minute. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> relax. <laughs> like, there's a lot of times that I start out and I feel super awkward, super uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, like, in it. And so I put on the podcast uh, mode. I put on like the, I'm doing the podcast now. And then mm. I pretend. And then after a minute, it kind of fades away and I'm in that space and okay. I feel good and everything like that. So, okay. Does that make sense? Yes. So I think that's enough of like, what, what are you looking at, babe? I, I know I filled up the coffee, but I don't know where I put it. I so put I'm it, it's over here on this yeah. side. Okay. Yeah. So we've got it if we need coffee. We're all set. Coffee, water playing cards what do you want to talk about Uh, i thought you were (laughs) were. it's all up to you oh no oh don't do that to me (laughs) it was like a year and a half ago i think Mm. it was 2017 like september 2017 when you were on Mm -hmm. it was back in the 90s not like 1990 but episode wise episode yeah Mm -hmm. And now we're over 130 episodes. So it's been a long time. So introduce yourself briefly, because there's going to be people that didn't listen to that old episode Mm. who have no fucking idea who Stephen Roccozella is. Okay. So give them a brief introduction of who you are. All right. Um, I am... (laughs) 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 What am I? Human... Uh, I'm Stephen Rakazella. I am a friend of Craig and Stephanie's. I uh, know Craig from the sheriff's office from way back in the day, and uh, we've definitely become much closer and connected so many times uh, over the last year and a half or so that I've been coming to men's group. And uh, we have a mutual friend who was the one that invited me to group originally, Josh Harris. He's Fucking been, Josh. Yeah, he's been on the podcast before as well with his wife. They're amazing people. Um, I own a barber shop in Springville, Utah, and I cut hair and do straight shaves and connect with awesome dudes all day, every day, and listen to music and shoot the shit and laugh and have a great time. So that's my that's what I do for work. Uh, I'm a, a father of three kids that live in Nashville, Tennessee, and... I practice the Wim Hof method <laughs> and am going through the training to become an instructor. And uh, that is about me right at the moment. That's that's who I am, I suppose, or how I would, the roles that I play or how I would label myself, I guess. Do we all so, feel uncomfortable? Do you feel uncomfortable, babe? Uh, I did it at first. I'm starting to ease into it. Starting to relax a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I totally forgot that you guys knew each other from before the group from the sheriff's office long time ago i forgot about that it's so so far removed i'm like oh yeah that's right steven was a 
veteran badass by the time I started. I started and he had already been with the sheriff's office for a long time, like probably yeah. five, six, seven, eight years I or was, something. I've, I've been, I was there from 2002 until 2014. Fuck. Wow. Yeah, I think I oh. started there in like 07 or 08 or something like that. Mm -hmm. So I remember him, but we weren't necessarily friends or really mm -hmm. knew each other. Yeah. I just knew of him and saw him and he was a badass. You had an air of you, an air about you. Because there were always guys that, <clears throat> like there were corrections officers, there were guys, officers there that were just pieces of shit that were worthless, that you knew weren't really good officers, that, you know, were just a nine to five type mentality. Mm -hmm. and Eight and skate. Yeah, mm -hmm. just fucking terrible. And those guys, I think, stuck out. If I don't know, because I think that if you were one of those guys, then those guys definitely didn't stick out. But those guys definitely stuck out in my mind, and I didn't want anything to do with them. Mm -hmm. And you were not one of those guys. You were on oh, the opposite end of the spectrum that stuck out as far as like a squared away fucking badass officer that knows what he's doing and mm -hmm. takes his job seriously and kind of carries himself that way. And it's funny because, like I said, we didn't really know each other. And I don't think we ever technically worked together. Mm -hmm. I don't think we were ever in the same housing unit or anything like that. And um, so, yeah, we never really spent any time working together, but... It's a big facility and you run into people and yeah. you see people and you definitely have a sense of the type of officer somebody is just by like all sorts of different shit, you yeah. know, the way they carry themselves, the way that they move. And they talk about that too, that prisoners do the same fucking thing mm -hmm. where the prisoners know by the, the energy that the officer carries and brings, the prisoners know who they can and can't fuck with, who they can and can't get away mm -hmm. with things and all that kind of stuff. And so, yeah. <sighs> no, well, <my> thank you. <laughs> yeah. That, that makes me feel good. I, I, I hope that that's the, the legacy that I left there. Uh, it was a difficult time around. So I had, I'd been with the sheriff's office and since, since Oh two and I never really had an easy assignment. I was always in like maximum security or, you know, medium security or the, that area that we talked about last time, quarantine, where everybody is coming off of drugs and they're not classified yet. And they're in a super, you know, unsure space. And there's a lot of volatility and violence. And I saw some things really early on in my career that some people would never see their whole career. Uh, and, uh, that definitely shaped me. And, um, what had happened was I went to the courthouse for a while to kind of take a break. I'd done like three years in maximum security and just needed a break. So I went to the courthouse and worked as a bailiff for a little while, just something chill. And in that time, I, I had some judges that I worked for that were just really good examples to me. And they took me under their wing and they, they kind of filled me with this idea that I should leave law enforcement and go be an attorney. And so I ended up quitting the sheriff's office to go to school full time. And I still had a family I was trying to support. So I worked at night and then uh, went to school during the day. And none of that really panned out the way that I expected. And I ended up having to go back to the sheriff's office. And that was in like 2009, I think, is when I got rehired. So you'd already been there by that point, and so was Josh. And I was not real happy 
about having to go back to the sheriff's office and go back to the jail. And I felt like I had failed and I was starting to toy with this idea that this is all I'm ever going to be in life is a fucking jailer. Not that that's a bad career, but it just didn't fit my soul. I knew that I, that I wasn't supposed to be doing this for the rest of my life. And so I struggled with that a lot. Uh, and so I may or may not have had, well, I know I didn't have the right attitude internally, but I hoped that when I was there at work that I was present and that I was being the best that I could be despite how much I hated fucking being there. Uh, but I, I've always had the attitude that I would rather die in that jail doing what was right than to live through a situation, you know, where I was a coward, you know, where I wussed out or I didn't do what was necessary. Uh, I didn't want to ever have to live with that. So I was kind of like, yeah, I took it. I took it seriously while I was there. I don't see so. that's just so funny because I don't know how you can't. Do you know yeah. what I mean? But there's so many people that don't take it seriously. Yeah. And it blows my mind when uh, I used to see those people <clears throat> work with those people. And I was just like, how can you not take this seriously? Mm -hmm. Because it felt like, is it a dangerous job? Absolutely, right? Yeah. And there were officers that got injured. There was officers that got attacked. And there's always that risk that is the undercurrent of everything that kind mm -hmm. of goes on. But by and large, that's few and far in between. Like you could work your full 20 years of a career as a, whether a CO or a, or a police officer and never have uh, an injury or never be attacked or anything like that. You definitely mm -hmm. have physical altercations when you're trying to restrain somebody or something like that. But I never understood how those guys and women too um, didn't take it seriously. And I'm just like, what the fuck is your problem? Like, this is a serious thing that we're doing. <laughs> it yeah. never, like, it literally just couldn't process through my brain. And yeah. it was the same thing, like, when I went to the road mm -hmm. and I would, you know, encounter other officers. A lot of times it was with other agencies and things like that. Most of the guys that I worked with were pretty squared away for the most part. And um, you'd work with other officers and it would just be like, how in the fuck are you not taking this serious? Yeah. Because... It's even more of a danger because of the risk of, you know, there's just more factors that you can't control as opposed to inside a correctional facility where you can control a lot of factors and variables. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. I think there's something about you and I, I think are very similar in that regards mm -hmm. where we took shit seriously and we did a good job and we took our job seriously. Mm -hmm. But I think that, that part of us too, that is similar where it's like, oh, this is killing the inside person that yes. really exists. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I used to, I used to imagine the way I would try to describe it to other people who didn't understand that line of work would be, you're like this ball of light in a dark place and they see that. And when I say they, I mean those who are there incarcerated and they will just suck every little bit of that light out of you and absorb it into their darkness. And at the end of the day, when it's time to go home to your family or your, your personal life, you have no light left in you, nothing left to give. They've just sucked everything out of you. Um, I, I have a theory on, on why some officers are just shit at that job. It's because thinking about everything that might happen to them that day 
or what they might have to deal with is so difficult to be in that place that they just check out and don't think about those things. And it causes them to disconnect from the situation that they're in. And uh, it's really easy in that place to just turn and look the other way. You can be in your housing unit and you see prisoners start to do things that they're not supposed to do. And it might be mellow, like they're passing something back and forth and you don't quite know what it is. So you can just, well, I'll just assume that it's, you know, a pencil or something. Someone needed to borrow a pencil and you can just turn and look the other way. And, and that's what I think a lot of officers do is they just turn and look the other way. But I had this mindset that, uh, and again, I might be repeating myself from, from the last podcast, you but if a lot of people haven't, yeah, okay. It's too long ago. I don't okay. even fucking remember it. All so. right. Uh, I, I had this mindset was like, <clears throat> if I confront the situation that is happening, I have to be ready to take it to the death. You know, you, you, you talk about taking your job seriously. That's what it means. If I open my mouth, if I see two prisoners exchange something and they're kind of shady about it and it's not quite out in the open, but I caught it, I have to ask myself, if I go confront these two guys about what just happened, am I willing to take that to the death? Because if I'm not, then my word means nothing. You know, it, um, if I turn my head and look the other way, then they know, okay, we've got this guy. He's not going to do anything. We're in, we're, we're in charge of the housing unit today, not him or her. Um, so when I would see something happen, I would just take a deep breath and be like, okay, I'm going to go confront these guys and I'm going to see what, 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 what they're up to. And usually it's nothing, but sometimes it's something and I have to be ready to deal with that, whatever it is. Maybe they were passing a weapon or they were passing drugs or you know, maybe it was just a candy bar or a pencil or something like that. But uh, I have to be ready to take that all the way to whatever the outcome is. And a lot of officers just don't even want to think that way. It's just too difficult to even get into that mindset. And they're like, well, whatever it is, it's not worth my life. And I just didn't think that way. I thought, you know, I'm here. I'm being paid to keep this, keep the fucking lid on this place for the next, you know, eight to 12 hours. So I'm going to do what's necessary. And yeah, in the process, it just destroyed my fucking soul. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so I, I think that's why a lot of officers are just shit at that job because they don't even want to, they don't even want to think about, you know, yeah. all the terrible stuff that could happen in the next second. I used to really like, like there was a, a point where I came to the realization in my career as a, in law enforcement that it was like, it's the same kind of thing where. If I decide something, then I have to stick with that decision all the way to the end. Yeah. And I think that that is that like that. I think that's one of the fallacies, right? Where mm. the fact is that it doesn't allow for any room for <clears throat> um, error. It doesn't allow any room for like the subtleties of what can take place. And because what I'm thinking in my head is times where it was like, times to go hand on like hands on mm -hmm. we're gonna fucking somebody's going in cuffs somebody's yeah. being restrained and it was like you ask them you tell them and then guess what it's not an option anymore you are going mm -hmm. to this this is the end result and like there's a part of my brain that breaks because there's so much of me that's like fuck yes that's exactly what you have to do as an officer mm -hmm. because that's how you protect yourself you protect the other people the other officers that you're working with you know, you protect people from this experience or from this moment. But the fact is like, 
I don't really, really, there's this other part of me, like that soul part of me that got killed and died and the light inside of me. Mm -hmm. That's like, you don't really have to do that. Like you can ask somebody to do something. You can tell somebody to do something. You can even start the process of going hands-on and trying to physically restrain somebody. Mm -hmm. And then you can just ease off. Yeah. You can just go back. You can just relax. Do you know what I mean? There were a lot of times when I would, uh, I mean, think about how many times in the jail where you would cuff somebody up and that that didn't mean anything because they were already incarcerated. They were already, you know, in jail, but it's just a temporary restraint yeah. uh, for the moment. It's a mm-hmm. cool down essentially. Mm-hmm. And I would implement that same practice on the street as a police officer mm-hmm. where it's like, just cause I'm putting somebody in handcuffs, that doesn't mean suddenly that they're arrested. That doesn't mean suddenly that I have to do anything other than that. Mm-hmm. But that I think was the mentality of a jailer and not a police officer. Cause I didn't mm-hmm. see that a lot from other police officers. Do mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. Where it's like, I can just put them in handcuffs and there's nothing wrong with that. However, we're going to, I don't want to fucking sit and talk about dumb shit of being a fucking police <laughs> officer. Cause I'm sitting there like, cause as soon as you put somebody in handcuffs on the street, now I have violated their fourth amendment. Exactly. Yeah. And I have to have just like just cause to do so. Mm-hmm. And that was the issue that a lot of times people would like call me out on meaning like supervisors and things like that. And I always had just cause cause mm-hmm. I knew what I was doing and it is justifiable. Yeah. But at the same time, that's like the slippery slope where, Oh, now you're fucking restraining me. Now mm-hmm. it's a whole nother fucking ball game mm-hmm. and everything changes. Yeah. But, baby, go ahead. Oh, I do have a question. I want some coffee. Too, okay. I'll you pour could, your coffee while you ask your question. Um, how much of that mentality of, once I make this decision, this is where it's going to go. And I have to follow that through all the way to the death. Mm-hmm. And like, in a sense, even though, sorry, I was going for it. Uh, you were mentioning how it doesn't have, it, the handcuffs can be just a cool down period, but you're still doing that same thing, taking that initiative of this isn't going the way it needs to go. So I'm going to control this. Like how much of that comes over into your life where now still, even though, you're away from that and removed. You still have that mentality of, no, I'm going to make this decision and I'm going to follow it through. And even though other information comes in that shows that you could probably shift your train of thought, but you're on that track and you are not coming off and you are going to stick to your decision at the beginning and not really have that room. I'm, I'm trying to use my words carefully because all I can think of right now is avocados. <laughs> I, won't, <laughs> I won't go deeper, mm. but avocado <laughs> you don't have to use your words carefully you're okay we know your husband's an asshole from time to time no i did not say that why do you always say that because <laughs> that's what you're talking about i'm talking about a moment that makes more sense i don't even know what the avocado thing is oh my god what that's is okay. it it's okay it's okay so <laughs> i was starting to think you were talking about avocados and handcuffs and this was going to go someplace like kinky for a minute oh maybe well. not <laughs> I don't see how those two things mix. I can make that happen. Like I can draw those lines to make perfect sense with that. Anyways, no, there was a situation with our son and eating avocados and he didn't, he said he was full, but he didn't like the way the seasoning that I put on it or something. And oh my God, there was the dumbest line draw in the sand about it. It was just, it was one of those moments. It makes sense now. I have drawn like, some very dumb lines in this. Everybody has. That's yeah. for sure. Mine, me as well. And him as well. Yeah. Like you guys both give each other that look of, hmm, like oh shit. <laughs> you know? Do you feel like you still have it? Not, not, I mean, do you, do you feel like that aspect is still kind of challenging for you to, you know? No. 
You don't think so? No, I've let go of I've let go of that a lot. I mean, like there's obviously times in life when you need to be determined and you need to stick mm. to your decision and things like that, but not in that not in that way. Like I'm much more open and I've realized in in that jail environment, like there's this immense pressure to stay in control. And control is an illusion in a lot of ways and life has taught me that especially over the last a uh, few years that I'm not in control of really anything except my own body. Um, so yeah, I let go of a lot of things and just let life happen now. But yeah, there's definitely a place where I still can apply willpower and determination and set goals. But yeah, I don't even think like a law enforcement officer anymore. I hope not. Yeah. I don't even want, I, yeah. And it's so many, it, it, it's nice because so many of my my uh, people in my life now, a lot of my clients and friends that have met me since I left, they're just like, dude, I can't believe that you were ever a, a jailer or a cop or whatever. You know, they just can't even imagine me being that way. And I'm like, okay, good. That's a good thing. Cause I did not like myself when I was that guy. Can you think of the last time, <clears throat> the last time that you had to turn it on? Like the last time when you had to embody that same person, that same energy because of a situation that you found yourself in? Like since, since leaving? Yeah. Yeah. Like, has there been a moment where you realized you had shifted back into that fucking mindset and that role because of something that was going on? Yeah, but it was not that, it was not nearly as cool or as grandiose as you would, you know, <laughs> maybe you're hoping for, but yeah, the last time that I can remember having to turn that on a little bit was being at a music festival and a fight broke out and one of my friends tried to get in the middle of it and break it up. And I just had to just run in there and like physically grab her and pick her up and remove her from the situation. And that was the last time I've, I think I really felt like I had where I got that same kind of energetic charge of like this, there's a fight happening and like, I have to do something to deal with it, you know, or at least keep this particular individual safe from that situation. And it wasn't that big of a deal, but that's the last thing I can remember. If you're going to put me on the spot and maybe think of something right now, that that's it. It, it. It's been a long time since I've had to be violent with anyone or use like physical force or, uh, you know, engage about, in that way. What about like the heightened state of awareness? And I, I mean, you can almost, I mean, it's safe to say that it's paranoia at times, right? That heightened state of like yeah. turned on and alert and focused. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? But because there's, there's times where we do it just as humans normally and naturally and it's okay. Mm -hmm. And it's not to say that it's not okay when cops do it, but when it's that conscious shift in your head and in your mind where suddenly you're like, your ears perk up and you fucking are on point. Can you think of a recent time or the most recent time you had something like that? Yes, but I don't know if I want to share it. Well, you have to. Not just <laughs> <laughs> it's not very often though, right? No, it's no, it, 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 it's not. Yeah. It's, it's not, but I mean, you know, it's like I still, when I'm, when I'm like going to, a situation where I feel like there could possibly be an altercation. Like I think and plan the whole thing out. Okay. If this person shows up and does this, then this is how I'm going to deal with it. So I do, I, I do catch myself 
going into that mode. But there's such a very, there's a very specific circumstance in my life where that can happen. But in most of my life like that's not even really a concern for me anymore. I don't even think about getting in a fight or having to, you know, it just doesn't happen. Like I've learned so much about how to stay calm and to deescalate and things. And in the barbershop, like where I spend a lot of my time, that just doesn't happen, you know, and me being away from all of my family members, they all live in different states. I'm kind of out here on my own, but I'm not, I'm not on my own because I have incredible friends. So yeah, like there's not a lot of drama in my life anymore you know, where, where that even becomes a thought. I don't know. That's such a vague, shitty answer. I'm sorry. I just like, don't I don't want to be, oh, I, like it. I don't, yeah, there's just, there's this one particular person that could appear in my life where I feel like I might have to deal with it in that way. But the odds of that happening are so low, but yeah, I still play it out in my head every once in a while. Baby, can you think of the last time I did that you saw me do it? What I was actually thinking was, um, it was a moment that you were on and I could see and I could feel like the air that you had, but it was such, um, I also had another aspect of it because you were so in control of yourself and that was nice to see. It wasn't like this, you know, to finge off on another topic here, wasn't the macho man coming out and your masculinity feeling threatened and like taking it up to a level just because you're a man. It was, um, we were in Portland and this very mentally ill guy was just acting completely sketchy around us. And it was with a group of us. And I remember thinking it was my fault because like I was watching him. I was like, oh, you're going to double back. Like you're something that's up with that. And then he got just completely freaked out and started screaming at us all. Like, he's like, do you want to fight? Do you want to fight? Cause we were, I looked at him. I don't know if it was me or everybody else, but oh, it was in the park. huh? Yeah. And I was super like, I was scared. Oh, I remember. And that. I think we were high too. That didn't we help. were, <laughs> 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 no. it was illegal there, mm. but, um, I was so like nervous and he was so aggressive and wanting to fight and just waiting for that opportunity to get that go signal. And it's like everybody, all of a sudden, everybody kind of was like coward. And here's you, this big, tall guy that handled that situation. And like your presence was, it was on. I could tell you were on, but it was such um, a calming. You're like, no, man, nobody wants to fight. We're not looking at you, dude. He's like, don't look at me. You're like, we're not. It's cool. Nobody wants to fight, man. You're good. And just, it was that, I thought so many different situations and people in my life where that would not have been it. It would have been, well, they have to now attack and escalate the situation. So I had just that pure panic inside of me waiting for that, but felt safe and feeling you control that where it was on, but not afraid because I don't know. It was just kind of, I had forgotten about that. Like I, it was, I did not. it was just straight up a crazy homeless guy. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? Which mm -hmm. is super normal. Not that all yeah. homeless people are crazy, but just somebody that's suffering from some mental illness, some schizophrenia, yeah. who's homeless. And we, the people that we were with, because we just got up and left, basically. We just removed ourselves yeah. from that experience. You removed us. You handled the group. <clears throat> yeah. You were like, I, everybody, this is what we're doing. And we were all like, okay, <laughs> this is what we're doing. <laughs> you yeah. know what? I can't think of one I can share with you that, yeah. that is fairly recent. So on one of my, I, I take a lot of plane trips every year to go see my kids. I fly out to see them, you know, six to eight times a year. So every couple of months I'm getting on a plane to Nashville. And I remember one time in particular when a guy like 
I always watch who's getting on the plane. So that's so that's that that's one of those things where you know I guess that that's heightened sense of awareness would, you know, kind of show itself in me. And the dude, I watched him come down the aisle, and he had no luggage with him whatsoever. It was just him by himself. Now that doesn't mean that he didn't check a bag and just didn't have a carry on, but I thought it was weird that he didn't have a carry on or, or anything with him. And, uh, and like, I hate to profile, but he fit, uh, the, your, what, what has been beat into our heads by the media, you know, as being somebody that might be from a region of the world where he might want to do something shitty on a plane. I hate to even think like that, but you know, again, all that, that, that mindset was there yeah. and he ended up sitting right next to me on the plane and the whole flight, he was just, su it's about a four hour flight. He was just super fidgety and anxious and couldn't sit still. And he kept getting up and going to the bathroom and, uh, you know, on a four hour flight, he probably went to the bathroom three or four times while on this one time he went, he was in there for a while. Cause I'm like paying attention now. And he was in there and, and as he was in there, I just started playing through all of these scenarios in, in my head. And I said, and I just telling myself, okay, most people on this plane are probably completely oblivious to this guy and his behavior. So like I started playing out scenarios. If he comes out of the bathroom and starts to do this or this or anything, like I was ramping myself up and getting ready to act because I'm not going to just sit there and be a victim. So I, and so I got myself to where I was starting to get an elevated heart rate and I was starting to get those weird, like energetic, you know, waves shooting through my body and, you know, just getting ready and prepared because he was in there for a while. And I was just thinking of all the things he could be, what he's, what if he's pulling something out of his ass or out of his, out of his pants or something. Yeah. We know that there's yeah. plenty of things that'll fit up an ass. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Later, later in my, or no, actually something that could actually contribute to that thought process was when one of my clients introduced me to the kink world and I, and I ended up at a few of these like kink parties that I was just curious <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, there's a lot of things you can put up an ass that are much bigger than you would think. This is okay to talk about on the podcast, it is right? Okay, okay to talk okay. about on the podcast. Yeah. So something that you could hurt somebody else with easily fits up an ass, or yeah. something even explosive or whatever. So yeah, so I'm running through all of these scenarios, and so yeah, that was probably that's that's definitely one I can. I do that shit on planes sharing. all the time. And it yeah, yeah, me you're off. on planes a lot too. Yeah. What, babe? It just kind of sounds like you could have also leaned toward put shit up your ass on a plane all the time. You're like, I do that shit on a plane all the time. So you've all spit your dream. So you pay attention. Uh, I do, and I hate it. Because I, uh, majority of the time when I fly, I'm pretty tuned out because I yeah. fucking hate it. And I don't like, I don't mind flying. I just don't like people and I don't like the stress of it and the chaos of it. So I have my headphones on. I'm listening to podcasts. I'm watching a movie. I'm doing something. So I'm super like tuned out. And then every now and then, I'll be sitting there, you know, and it's usually like boarding time when it's a lot of chaos and a lot of people coming and going and moving and everybody's trying to get to their seats or even like on long flights where people will get up and hang out in the aisle and walk around and move. And my brain, unfortunately, and I kind of don't like that it still does it, but it plays all those what if scenarios. Yeah. Like I look at that fucking cockpit and I'm like, you guys aren't stopping anybody from getting in that fucking cockpit. Yeah. Like there's so many times that that cockpit door is open and all they've done is like 
parked the the food cart in front of it. And I look at the flight attendants and granted the majority of them are women, even though there's plenty of male flight attendants. And I'm just like the level of violence that people can do without a weapon, right? No weapon at all. I don't think people really understand what that looks like and what that Mm -hmm. entails. And so I'll sit there and play all these scenarios and I picture like, what I'm because it's always what am I going to do, right? Yeah, because I'm not going to sit on the flight and pull out my cell phone and record it. I'm going to go fuck some shit up. Mm-hmm. And I think constantly, not constantly, but I always think about how I don't need a tool, I don't need a weapon, I don't need anything to stop somebody, right? And uh, what that looks like, especially in such a confined space of mm-hmm. an airplane, right? Because there's no room to do anything at all. <clears throat> and I, I used to always think about this too when I used to carry all the time, because when I was off duty, I was still carrying all the time. And you're always playing those what if scenarios for active shooters and things like that at malls or at movie theaters or wherever the fuck I was. I mean, I do it at the fucking gas station I used to. Mm-hmm. And um, I always think about. <clears throat> The fact is, in a scenario when you have to restrain somebody or do something to stop a threat, to stop somebody, there's the potential that other people are going to get injured and hurt. Mm -hmm. And there's like a certain level of, I'm okay with that. Like if I have to, I'm never going, I I mean, I'm not going to go off on the tangent of what I used to think about in regards to carrying when I had to carry off duty or when I chose to carry off duty, but like on a plane... I'm going to have to climb over uh, seats. I'm going to have to push people out of the way. I'm going to have to get physical in regards to getting myself to the point where I can engage and uh, stop whatever's going on. And that may entail, you know, hurting some people, not consciously or like punching people to get them out of my way, but Mm -hmm. like just the physical action of having to climb over people, push people out of the way, push people down and step on them to get to whatever it is so that I can stop it. But I don't do that a lot. But yeah. it does happen. Mm-hmm. It does. Let's say like maybe 40% of the time that I fly, I'll spend a little bit of time in that space on a flight, especially mm-hmm. if it's a long flight because I got so much fucking time to, Yeah. you know, you can only listen to so many podcasts. But mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> I was thinking about, this made me think about when you went to uh, Arizona. I'm sitting here thinking about you getting on a plane tomorrow, and I'm so. I know I gotta get I on a flight to. tomorrow. And now I'm, my Nothing anxiety levels are up, and I'm like, <laughs> and you know all the because I think about all those cell phone footage and those videos that we see of shit happening on flights, and those are just crazy people. Yeah, those are just people that are having a hard moment in their life, and unfortunately, sometimes they have to be physically restrained. Yeah. But, and there is zero tolerance on an airplane. Yeah, I think about that too. There yeah. has been plenty zero. of times where I am like the crazy person mm-hmm. in my head. <laughs> and like the flight attendant will come up and be like, sir, you need to, like when I fly internationally to Canada, mm-hmm. they give their fucking announcements right before the flight takes off as they're kind of taxiing out to get ready to actually leave the ground. And they're talking through everything. And if you don't fly a lot, yes, please listen to that. But if you fly a lot, I have no desire whatsoever to listen to anything that you're saying at this point. Right. Especially when you want to sell me your fucking credit card. But um, <laughs> I, I will keep my headphones on and I'll be listening to whatever I'm listening to. And mm. there's some airlines, and I don't know if it's just when you fly to Canada or if it's Air Canada, the airline Air Canada, mm. but they don't let you wear your headphones. Like you have to 
excuse me, you have to take your headphones off to listen to, the to listen to their fucking shit. Yeah. So they'll come up and be like, sir, blah, blah, blah. You need to. And I'm just like, bitch, you fucking touch me. Say one more fucking thing. Tell me to put my seat rest up. Tell me to like do this, do that. I'm going to fucking lose it and yeah. explode and everybody's going to die because I'll take this fucking plane down. I don't give a shit. Damn. <laughs> I hope that no one from put the- Put it into uh, context. You know? No one from the government is listening to this podcast because <laughs> I mean, you, you just got put on a no-fly list, I don't dude. have to worry about just you now. going anywhere now. Like. <laughs> oh, no, man. but it's funny. And that's the subtlety of how people, you know, good people do crazy things. Yeah. And you see that all the time where somebody just has had enough. Well, maybe good people have crazy thoughts. Yes. That, yeah. But don't do crazy things. Yeah. I have plenty of crazy thoughts mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. So Arizona, what were you saying? Uh, when you flew Arizona? down to Arizona and you had the guy that have... was like straight up trying to kidnap <gasps> oh, you for sex gosh. trafficking. Because that's totally what it was. Yeah. It was. It, it was. It was. It took me a little bit to figure that out. Tell that when I did. Tell that story. Tell that story. Um, okay. Because it's real. Well, I, I know, but like, you hear I'm about that like, shit oh, on what the a news. dumb woman. You're not a dumb woman, you know? I know I'm not, but that's like... I would, you hear that shit on the news and you're like, that shit never fucking happens. That's dumb. Like, you know, there's so many times where you hear stories on the news and you're like, whatever, that shit never really happens. And that straight up exactly is like key, like word for word, example for example, what happened to you and what took place. Oh, did not happen. Well, granted, you aren't uh, kidnapped in, in a yeah. sex trafficking yeah. ring right now. So no. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> um, it was, a, it was the first time I was on a plane by my, or going, I had flown by myself to you, but it was the first time I flew where I didn't have somebody waiting for me. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, hold my hand, walk me across the street, whatever. Yes. I've lived a sheltered life. Um, I was super excited and I was just really open to everything. I was feeling so good and so much love. And I was just like so much had been (laughs) beat into my head on how you don't talk to strangers. You don't do all these, you know, be careful. Don't let anybody know where you're going. Don't, you know, all these precautions that you constantly have to take. Mm -hmm. And I was shedding all of these programs. So I was talking to everybody and I was sitting next to this guy who started a conversation with me. And instead of, you know, not having the conversation, which is what I would normally do. We got into a deep conversation and we just talked the entire time. And, um, I'm sitting here in my mind, like, you know, look at me being all outgoing, (laughs) talking to strangers. Mm -hmm. Um, but then it was coming up where I was staying and he, it, it started off with, and how he did it was brilliant. And I think I'm like, why would I, I wouldn't just tell him where I was staying. How did that happen? But he was, because we were flying in at night and he was telling me that I needed to be careful and really hoped that I wasn't going anywhere by myself at night because it was a real dangerous area where we were at. And that kicked in my, well, what do you mean? Like what areas? Like it depends on where you're staying. If you're, you know, there's certain areas, if you're staying, you'll be okay. But if you're in like this area, to remember what it was, then, then, you know, you, you need somebody with you. It's not safe for you. And that completely hit my, you know, like, oh my God, I'm not safe. I'm not safe. Where is it? Where are you staying? And so in that moment, I shared where I was staying and he's like, uh, yeah, you don't go, you, you might, you might, you'll, you'll be, you'll be okay. If you just, you're really cautious and you don't go anywhere by yourself. And how are you getting there? And I've got my car at the airport and I'm dry. I, you know, I don't want you to, you know, be weirded out by this, but I'll give you a ride to make sure you're safe. Mm. And then that hit my like, oh, you're the danger. <laughs> yeah. 
And so well, that's, um, that's, that's good. You know, yeah. a lot of people would not have even picked up on that. So <laughs> I, uh, it didn't um, stop there though. No, no, it did not stop there. Um, but like the way I shifted stopped there, mm-hmm. like I realized what was going on. So then it was, well, I'm, I'm going to change my hotel. I'm going to find another place. I'm going to, you know, he was like, well, well, where do you want to go? You don't have to do that. And then was like trying to talk me out of mm-hmm. changing it because I was yeah. okay where I was. And then, well, where was I going to go beyond that? I'm like, I don't know. You know, I'm going to, I'll just find, you know, I'll get one of those areas. And the first place that I contact that has an opening, that's where I'll go. And, you know, I, I started like really drawing out and creating separation mm-hmm. and he kept offering again and, oh, he feels bad. He doesn't want to make me afraid. And, you know, he's still willing and just, you know, it was super nice. I kept it super nice and then took my time. I, um, like kind of played around in the airport. I wasn't in a hurry to leave. I had a shuttle that was set up. I just had a call when I was ready. So I took my time up there, just like really killed a lot of time, Mm -hmm. giving plenty of separation. And I don't even know how long I was in the airport. I was there for quite a while before I finally called the shuttle, got to take care of it, went to the other side. And as they were doing construction in the airport, so I even got looped around and took longer than I meant to because I got lost. So when I made it to the right side of the airport where the shuttles were and I was standing out there, he approached me again. Mm. And I'm like, oh, my God, how did you? And he's like, I, you look like you're lost and I'm worried about you. I don't want you to, you know, I sure my car's right here. And, you know, to get mm. going, I'm like, oh, no, I'm good. I've got my shuttle. I've got my new place. Everything's fine. I got it. Thank you, though. And I watched and he walked up and got in the passenger side of the vehicle. Passenger side? Passenger side. And then they left. And I was like, oh, oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> so then I wow. was nervous. Holy shit. But like that's the- seriously how <clears throat> women get kidnapped and taken advantage of for whatever fucking, whether it's sex trafficking or whether it's whatever it is. Yeah. Like that is the, yeah. that is the MO of a fucking was, predator. I was, I made it. Well, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't even, careful. I wouldn't even say just women, but anybody Anyone. who yeah. doesn't present as we're not going to mess with this individual because they're going to be a motherfucker to deal with. Yeah. You know, Women, could be, yeah, children, yeah, teenagers. Children could yeah. be even like, you know, kind of more. Ah, uh, so you want to say weak men. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do. Anybody who is presenting weakness, you know, because mm-hmm. there's, there's a lot of women you don't want to fuck with either and they're going to present that right away you know and so uh yeah i mean it doesn't have to be yeah but i know yeah i, I wasn't presenting hate. weakness though i was presenting no friendly mm-hmm. open communicative yeah. it was just that well, i was but that but that can be interpreted by evil people as uh as as weakness that's mm-hmm. one of the quandaries working like in law enforcement or in the jail because if you show too much openness kindness concern yeah they'll just latch right onto out. that and just manipulate it and work it. Yeah. It's and, like straight manipulation. Mm-hmm. Like the way you describe it, there were so many times where as a police officer, you would have cocksuckers that would manipulate you that way, who would play fucking games and who would, do you know what I mean? Like would yeah. always like run circles around you and always be the nice guy and always like, dude, like what's going, you know, you don't need. And as a police officer, you have to be like, okay, motherfucker, like we're done. Yeah. Like, we're done, right? And so I was thinking, I was listening to you uh, talk about that because I've heard that story before. Yeah, because I was, I was proud of myself yeah. to not even yeah, get no. scared after that. Yeah, no, you like, did good. Still talk you to did people. Good. Yeah, yeah, super good. But I think that like in the future, and this is one thing with society where we don't want to be assholes and we don't want to be mean. 
But like in the future, like if you had just, you know, you're leaving the plane or the next time you see him or even because if you're sitting next to him, it's kind of difficult because it's super uncomfortable. Yeah. But like the soonest opportunity you have to like literally turn, face him and say, I, you need to leave me alone. Like you need to suddenly become a bitch. Yeah. Because otherwise mm-hmm. they will take advantage of that over and over and over and over again. And we don't want to, in society, we don't want to come off as a bitch or an asshole. We don't want to be rude to people, right? But those type of people, you have to suddenly shift your energy to where it's like, listen, motherfucker, you need to leave me alone. Otherwise I'm going to do X, Y, and Z, whatever it may be. But if you just shift and go away from the mindset of like, I'm being nice and I don't want to be rude. I don't want to be rude because he could just be really genuine and he could just be really nice. I said that a lot to my head. Yeah. I could be just be crazy. He could be, you know, I could be making all this up. Yeah. And you totally weren't. That's exactly what he was trying to do and exactly what he was reaching for. And if you just shift suddenly and be like, look, and we, we always feel bad. Like we always feel bad when we're assholes and we don't want to offend people or we don't want to upset people or hurt people's feelings, even if they're complete fucking strangers. But at the mm-hmm. same time, like you have to, I don't say you have to, cause you didn't, you were still nice, but you were assertive and you took control and you, you know, did what you needed to do. But at the same time, like there comes a point where you have to like draw that line in the sand of listen, motherfucker, like we're done. You need yeah, to leave you me have to alone. Be careful with that. It's not, it's not just that. It's like if, if I'm being protective over somebody, that line in the sand is much closer. Oh, and yeah. I know that, okay. Yeah, you know, like if it's you and Stevie oh, on this flight. Yeah. That, that's handled very differently. Um, but I was by myself at that point. So it wasn't so much of um, when I felt, I, I knew that like this is a dangerous thing now. Now I'm uncomfortable. Now those voices in my head are being like, you know, this is what you need to do. You know, this is you need to act from this point, but in no way would I become, um, it would have taken a lot to get me to the part to where I would have become aggressive because what's programmed for me is when you get aggressive with men, they get aggressive back. They're more, you know, it's worse. Mm. So you keep the situation calm. You keep a polite, you don't threaten their masculinity you don't and that's that's just and i'm not saying like all men like you can't walk up to somebody and not smile (laughs) at him he's like what bitch you know i'm not saying that i'm saying men that um or women but my experience has been men so that's what i can relate to that are going to cause harm that are why there is the fear out there that's why there's a problem those ones are like i'm nervous it's it's scary yeah i'll get to that i'm not just going to be like okay I'll get in the car with you. You know, I will get to that, but that's not going to be something that turns on right away. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it should. Maybe I should adjust that. But that to me says, well, you now know, I've pissed him off. Now I'm, I'm instead of looking elsewhere, he's going to be locked on. Well, you know, I, th- I think my solution to that n- dilemma of when to be aggressive and when not to be aggressive just comes back to being present yeah. and just trusting the feeling you have inside the energy that is, you know, happening, uh, and, and you'll, you'll just know what to do when that, when, when that time comes, because, you know, I, I probably, I probably avoided a lot of violence being inflicted upon me in the jail by showing like, like where, where I knew in my head exactly what this dude's trying to do. You know, I, I, I understand the level of evil and violence that I'm dealing with in this individual. And 
maybe turning on that fight or flight response would have escalated, but instead staying cool and kind of playing dumb a little bit, even though I'm on to him and just being a little nicer, still not giving him anything that he's asked after, Mm -hmm. but just being, you know, chill about it. You know, that, that might've saved me from God knows how many fights because I got in plenty anyway, but you know, they were always kind of like there was zero options left at that point, you know? So a little, a little diplomacy isn't always a bad thing, but just being aware inside is, you know, yeah. So it could go. go piss. <clears throat> do we, do, do we just keep Take talking? Yeah. You don't have to fucking stop. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. H- however you handled it worked out fine. Cause you're safe and that dude is somewhere else. And you know, yeah, I, I heard something when I said that, that I'd never thought of before. And now I'm feeling very, very ashamed of myself. Like if I would have made a little bit of noise, like who would have noticed, mm-hmm. who would have noticed him, you know, what kind of, like, what might that have done? Cause obviously the situation that wasn't, just something that happened on a whim. That wasn't an impulse. That was something that was planned out. Right. And that was something that they probably will plan out in the future. And like that didn't occur to me until right then when I was like, oh, look elsewhere and not be focused on me. Mm-hmm. Like that was a, it was completely selfish in a sense too, because I was so concerned with self-preservation that my brain didn't go, well, who else is not, who else is going to be a part of this now. Yeah. I didn't think of that. I feel so like shitty. I wouldn't. Now. I wouldn't. You know? I like, wouldn't. Maybe I could have shine shone light on him a little bit, but it was like, yeah. oh, well, I maybe. need to be self preservation. Yeah. What I miss? Me realizing that I'm uh selfish. <laughs> so <laughs> um I essentially have one of my best friends and my wife that I get to talk to right now. And you guys don't really know each other all that well. Mm-hmm. You know each other through me and what I talk about in regards to the other person. So mm-hmm. like you have a vision, not a vision, but you have a. <laughs> I don't know if I want to know the way he's <laughs> like what you. No, no. I mean, none, none, none of it's bad. None of it is negative in any way, shape or form. I make you happy all the time. You do make me happy all, all the, the time. time. But uh, baby, what questions <laughs> do you have for Steven? Taking into consideration that you only know him through me and what I share with you. Because it's not that you guys haven't met before. I think you've met before. Yeah. yeah. Met oh, before. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I can ask questions, but I also know, you know the bro code, you know, <laughs> not much is going to be. I'll let you know like, if you violated that or not. I violated the bro code. <laughs> we can break the bro code. I like, I want to know, like, the way you smile when I'm not around. Like, how does he breathe when I'm not around? What side of him do you get to see where he's free oh, when I'm not around? Oh, you're going to ask me around? a question about Craig. I do. Okay. I want to like right. the part that I don't see on that part. Just, and then I want to wrap it back around to, anyways. Go now. Okay. Ask me that one more time. How does he, how do I act and behave when? Uh... No, no, not act and behave. How do you, I want to, I want to hear about your, your free moments. Like the way you smile, what is like, how does he get light? And you see like the weight come off and the smile and this, the, like, no, I feel dumb now. I don't want to talk anymore. <laughs> don't feel dumb. No, <laughs> no, that's a good no, question. no. You just got, I'm a, I'm a very like methodical overthinking, deep thinking person. And so I'm going to analyze that question, <laughs> you know, and so I'm, I'm pausing, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to answer. Okay. Um, 
like like how do how do I see Craig? Like his yeah behavior. Like what's he like? His, what's your take on him? Because you're going to see a different side of Craig than I do. I I don't. You don't think? No, I don't think so. I, think. I don't think so because I've I've spent time with him in different dynamics. Like well, when we're in men's group together, that's where I spend the majority of 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 my time with him. But he's in like men's group mode. Yeah. Where it's time to put in some work. Oh, his. Oh, and it's and, and it's time one. to, um, you know, focus on these other men and then focus on himself when it's when it's his time to talk. And so I see him in that in environment and uh, I don't notice a big difference. Really? I mean, like mm-hmm. he I think he's pretty. Baby, I think you think that like as soon as I get away from you, I just like, oh, fucking relax and get to like be myself and let it all hang out. And then when we're together, like I'm on edge and like conscious. Well, kind of, of, but I didn't mean it like rude. I was like excited to hear about happy moments for you. So it was like I wanted to see that part where maybe you'd be nervous to tell me because then I will interpret it as as soon as you go away. Then you take a deep breath, like the happy things that maybe you would be afraid to share. But fine, we're done talking. No, about I don't, you. I don't, I don't imagine Craig being much different around you and and the family than he is around me or or anybody else. And that's pretty cool. Like I can, I can tell you that like when when Craig and I interact with each other, like we don't talk about the fucking football game or the weather. Although we might, you know, acknowledge that it's it's a beautiful day, but like. We don't waste oxygen talking about frivolous, lighthearted shit. Like we usually get deep every time we talk. And those are the kind of conversations that I like to have. Yeah. I don't, I don't care about, you know, your fucking shoes or, you know, <laughs> the football game or whatever. Like, you know, like I, I, we don't, we don't talk about politics, you know, yeah. like we, we talk about good meaningful deep shit that makes us better human beings and better men that's the craig that that, that i know yeah so maybe that's i should not who he is here so maybe i should be asking you the same football question. all the time yeah. like seriously no <laughs> no just kidding. well you no, know because because like there's this there's this dynamic in my barber shop where you know i have another barber that works for me he's an awesome dude his name's braxton but he is an absolute world-class bullshitter like he can talk about music, he can talk about sports, he can talk about uh, politics, and he just bullshits with his clients and just entertains them, and they just eat it up and they love it. When you sit in my chair, like I want to know about, like, you know, where you're at in life right now. How's your How's your wife? How's your kids? How's your prostate? I'm sure, you know, that's always a question I ask, you know, people, it's kind of like, it just kind of breaks the, breaks the attention a little bit, you know, like when they first sit down and they're getting ready for their haircut, not that that's a tense situation, but just to kind of get them out of the world and get them present, Mm -hmm. get them to go inside a little bit, which is something that I learned from, you know, Craig and like men's group. And, And so I try to make every haircut if I can like a little mini men's group session where like, I want to talk about the real shit that's going on in your life. And I want to connect with you and love you and know about you. And I'm going to share my stuff. Yeah. I'm not interested in like meaningless conversations anymore at, at, at maybe it's my age or my station in life, but, and that's the, the relationship that I have with this man sitting across the table from me. It's, 
it's deep, it's real, it's heavy, it's uncomfortable sometimes, and it's beautiful all the time. So... No, why he loves you so much. Uh, That is awesome. Yeah, I don't know if you were expecting him to say, oh, yeah, dude, as soon as he gets a men's group, he just sits down and talks about what a huge pain in the ass Stephanie is and blah, 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 and all this kind of Is that how it sounded? That's (laughs) not. Because I'm not going to go there. No, 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 no. I don't want to hear that. Well, but but I I think that if if you were being a pain in the ass, he would tell you you're being a pain in the ass. So you don't need to know that for me or not. I think he would probably tell you, and hopefully you would do the same for him. No, what I meant, um, I don't know if I'll be able, because I suck it. I'm trying really hard to figure out like what I mean doesn't always come out. Okay. Like there's so much like I try. Um, well, I'm just going to interpret the like, best I can. <laughs> that's all. That's all anybody can do. I was um, looking for a way to share, share in the joy of maybe parts that I don't get to see where he can breathe. Like the happy parts. I was wanting to see the parts that make him happy that I don't get to see. So I'm excited to see more of his happiness. And that's what I kind of wanted to sneak peek into is like, I don't know. That's you know, I, what I was kind of looking well, at. I think, I think maybe I have missed out on some of those moments with, with him as well. You know, like yeah. when, uh, you know, probably a month ago in men's group, I had like a huge uh, breakthrough and I had to end up like going outside and just like getting some air and like cooling down afterwards. And like I'm, while I was out there, I missed a beautiful moment for Craig where he got to feel the gratification of putting himself out there in a vulnerable place and saying things to me that were uncomfortable for him and probably really hard to say. And as a result of that, I went to a place that has absolutely changed my whole life. And he got the opportunity to feel the joy and gratification and the adrenaline because there was some adrenaline going of that moment. And I missed it too, because I was outside trying to like, you know, put myself back together. And so, uh, and I'm kind of sad I missed it, but, uh, yeah. So I don't, yeah. I love that you like were able to separate. You didn't have that fear of missing out thing that's so big. You're like, this is what I need right now. So I'm going to step out and do that. (laughs) Thank you. How, what do you, um, just the fact that you're able to sit down and like, tell me about your prostate in a sense, uh-huh. that deep connection that you can it's do with men. It's fine as far as I know, by the way. It's Thank fine. you. I'm so glad to hear that. <laughs> uh, there are guys that you go in for the haircut, but just to have that point, that is kind of an intimate exchange mm-hmm. and they're like having your hands on somebody changing their appearance and that like being so in their space that I don't know, I guess I find intimate exchanges and so many different things mm-hmm. and it can go of like that's a moment to share and be open with somebody or feel like you have to protect because that's so much in your space there are things that i should do and be comfortable with that i cannot because it's too much in my space mm-hmm. so like being there with the guys at that point and being able to have that deep connection and not just entertain their their thoughts and then move on to the next client like is that something that you've always been able or is that something that's kind of like grown and I don't know, become deeper with the group and being able to connect inside yourself more? So, so you're asking, is it something, have I always been able to just like fall into a space with, with another person and just be present with them and, and, and connect with them? Or is that something that I've learned over, over time? Yeah. Is that, I think it's a little bit of both. I think I have a natural ability for it. 
And then I think over time through my experience with the sheriff's office and then especially with, you know, men's group, uh, I think I've definitely honed my, my abilities that way. And, and I understand more what's happening. And so, yeah, I think it's, it's a combination of, of both. I'm a very open, like, I just want to love everybody. Mm-hmm. I really do. And, and I, I, I really credit a lot of my success as a barber to that ability. It's not about the haircut or the shave, uh, or the, the beard trim. Although like I can do that. Well, I have to be able to do that. Well, um, I think people for the most part come and sit in my chair because they know that I'm going to genuinely give a shit about their life and about who they are. And I'm going to, uh, show like for that time they're in my chair, it's all about them. And like, I'm, and I, I love doing that. Yeah. Um, like, and, and yeah, like, like if somebody starts, so if, if we were to start talking about something super emotional and you started to cry, I would cry with you. I have absolutely no doubts. Like I would just be totally in there feeling what you're feeling. And that's just something that is natural to me. I've like Mm -hmm. always been that way, you know? And so I, I, is that, does that answer the the, the question at all? Okay. Kind of like you definitely like half of it, definitely half of it. And like you talk about that being there with somebody and anyway, that crying holes in another part, mm-hmm. but it's not just being able to talk to somebody and get them to feel comfortable and mm-hmm. open up and share with you because mm-hmm. yeah, that's something that goes through with the sheriff's office, but you're not going up to inmates or however, and then being like, Oh, and now here's all of this of me. I'm going to show you these parts of me. It's very much getting them to feel comfortable and share with them, but you're not sharing who you are as a core with them. You're not talking, you're not really talking about your prostate in a sense with them. So how much of that are you now able to give? You're not just being a place for somebody to talk to, but you are saying now, now I'm going to show you me too. You're giving that part of it with my hands. Cause I can't talk without moving oh, my hands. No, 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 I do. Like I've always been a pretty open book. Yeah. Yeah. I, oh yeah, for sure. I mean, not so much with, with, uh, when, when I was a jailer, but I was a lot more of an open book than most officers. And I think that allowed me to connect yeah. with them in ways and to, you know, like they got to see that I was a human being, that I wasn't just a robot in a uniform, uh, you know, with, with like no sort of emotion or concern. So, yeah, no, I've always been the one place in my life where I wasn't an open book was in my marriage oh, yeah. with my, with my ex-wife. I failed miserably at opening up and trusting and showing her my true self, which is probably one of the reasons why it didn't work out. There could be a million reasons why it didn't work out. And there is a million reasons why it didn't work out and it wasn't supposed to work out. And I'm totally fine with that. Yeah. (laughs) You know, beautiful, beautiful things have happened for both of us since we got divorced, you know? So, um, but yeah, that was, that was a place where I didn't feel vulnerable. And I think we could get like way deep into my psyche and, and going back to like a trust issue with women and mothers and all this other kind of stuff, you know, like I'm sure we could dig in there if you want to, and I'm fine to, you know, yeah. but no, no, I, I think my, my ability to share with, share my life with others, like I don't really get embarrassed very easy. Like I'll tell, like I'm a, I'm a pretty fucking open book. Like there really isn't anything that I'm not willing to talk about, you know, um, yeah. Does that 
No, yeah, that's more. Okay. That's absolutely. Yeah. I'm going to call bullshit on you. <clears throat> oh, boy. Okay. Okay. All right. Perfect. All right, man. Let's Is do this. Is it the embarrassing part? No. Uh, I think, because um, I, I would describe myself the same way. Okay. And then when it comes to real stuff, mm-hmm. that shit's locked up so fucking tight. Mm-hmm. Nobody's fucking getting in there, let alone me. Okay. Right. I think we will, and I'm going to, I'm going to. I'm already preparing my defense, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm going to lump the two of us into the same category and just describe the way that we would do things. Like we're outgoing. We're very nice. We're very open. We're very kind. Like we, you know, want to hear people. We want to connect with people. And at the same time, we're more than willing to like put ourselves out there and be open and exposed Mm -hmm. and kind of lead the way in the sense just to make people feel comfortable and things like that. But then like when it comes to really, really, really deep stuff and like true vulnerability and sitting in those spaces and in those uncomfortable spaces, I don't think we do that easily with uh, even the people that we're closest to, even the people that we, do you know what I quote unquote need to do that with, let alone with complete strangers, not complete strangers, but let alone with the, you know, cursory group of people that we surround ourselves with. Because mm-hmm. I've seen you, uh, I've seen you get embarrassed really easily. I've seen you, um, okay, like I've, I've seen you put on a front and not super bad. Not you know, you definitely don't walk around with a mask on. You definitely don't walk around with a front on by any means. But I've seen you kind of put on this, uh, and it, it looks uncomfortable when you put it on. But it's like this jacket of. Um, God, how do I fucking describe it? A lot of times you're self-deprecating to where you put on this jacket of like, but I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. I'm just a dumbass, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Right. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And I think that's a defensive mechanism. I think that's a way to disconnect from the deeper stuff that is being brought out is kind of coming to the surface is kind of rising up and then you minimize and self-deprecate as a way to distance from it and push away from the uncomfortableness and then to keep things more light or more lighthearted or more safe even though we might be in the space of vulnerability and difficult things and different difficult topics and things like that yeah i know exactly what you're talking about now Yeah. yeah Do I do I still do that or am I getting better at it in the last few months? I think you're getting better at it for okay. sure. I think you're definitely, <clears throat> you know, practicing something different and uh-huh. being aware of it. I think I have seen you become aware of it, whereas okay. I don't think you were necessarily aware of it in the beginning. And what I right. mean by beginning is kind of when you and I reconnected and started mm-hmm. hanging out and going to group and things like that. No, I, I would agree with that 100%. Yeah. I, think, uh, I think this whole... Um, if I could get super personal and uh, vulnerable here, like that whole series of experiences I've had in meditation where I've connected with my, like this little f- naked five-year-old version Dude, of it's me. it's so beautiful. I don't know if you yeah. want to kind of share portions of it, but yeah, it's I'll... really fucking beautiful. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. So I, uh, um, a, f- a few months back, I, so backing up i've been i've become more aware of self-deprecating behavior and in large part thanks to shelly to has been a guest on this podcast an amazing woman shelly, is it mayor shelly mayor yeah Love yeah shelly. yeah shelly called me out we had she had invited me down to this uh 
cacao ceremony in Southern Utah. And this was something that was completely new to me. This was me kind of dipping my toe into the whole hippie world because Shelly's like a legit badass hippie girl that she's very, she's very put together, you know, but she's very hippie too. And she invited me down to this, to this, uh, a cacao ceremony and we spent the whole weekend together her and another really cool lady named Cree and uh and those two they were kind of like my little woodland fairy spirit guides on this like three-day adventure down in boulder utah they took me on some amazing hikes and we got a chance to like spend some time together and i'm just going to be totally like vulnerable here like i i felt like Shelly and I might have been like leading up to that, starting to make a little bit of a like a connection. I'm not going to say romantic necessarily, but I think there was some excitement and some connection and some feelings there. And like while we were down in Boulder on this little adventure, I felt like an energy shift in her and she started to, to like distance herself from me a little bit where I thought we were making this connection. And immediately I started to think that I had messed it up somehow. And I started to second guess myself and whether they really wanted me there or not, or whether they were starting to get sick of me or whatever. Not that I was being annoying necessarily, but just like, I felt like my presence there, like I felt an energy shift. I didn't know what to do with it. So I immediately going went back to self-deprecating humor where, you know, or I would say, you know, like she would ask me, okay, so like, this is kind of our, our plan for the day, you know, like, how do you feel about it? Whatever. Like, oh yeah, that's cool. That's great. You know, but if you guys want to go to spend some time together, like I'll go do something else. And, you know, trying to like hint that I would be okay with them separating themselves from me. I was feeling insecure and, and after, you know, half a day of this, she just called me on it and was like, you know what? It's really unattractive when you make jokes about yourself like that. I mean, she was just flat out blunt right in my face, you know? And I was like, oh, and that was where, <clears throat> excuse me. I first became aware of self-deprecating behavior and how that is not necessary. I thought it was being humble and it's not humility. It's it's self hate and self punishment is really what it is. And you just beating yourself up and rejecting yourself first before somebody else has a chance to do it to you. Uh, and which is something that I've resorted to since I was a little kid. Uh, and so everybody thinks I'm real funny, you know, because I can joke about myself and I think there is a time and a place for that. But the way that I was using it was not in a healthy way. And she just flat out, you know, was like, that's really unattractive when you do that. I'm just saying, I was like, Oh shit. You know, okay. And like her whole energy shift had nothing to do with me, but that's what I do. I always go back to thinking, well, what did I do to ruin the situation or what did I do to change it or, or, or whatever, you know? Um, so anyway, so that, that started to make me aware of that. And, um, so fast forward now to a few months ago, that was, that was back in the, in the, the, the summertime and, and the guys in group had called me on it too. Like the, the example that, that Craig just gave where, you know, I would say something in group that was like really meaningful and wise and appropriate for the situation that the man I was talking to was in. And then I would always follow it up with like, yeah, but you know, what do I know? You know, I'm just this, you know, stupid barber, you know, like I would, and I would just ruin 
<clears throat> excuse me, I would just ruin everything that I just said. I took all the value out of it because I didn't believe that there was any real value to what I was saying, which, which goes back to how I viewed myself. So I end up like, I end up doing this, this meditation with some really intense breath work. And I learned it from a combination of the Wim Hof method breath work and this guy named Joe Dispenza, I think his name is. And he wrote this amazing book, uh, Becoming Supernatural. And, and in that book, he talks about a meditation that's, uh, that, that goes, falls right in line with, uh, with, with Wim Hof stuff where you can oxygenate the body and then take in a deep breath and clench certain muscles. And they're basically your Bonda muscles from yoga, you know, so asshole up, belly button in, chin down, you know, tightening that, that core area in your kind of chakras, you know, just tightening everything up. And then you can push pressure up into your head. And one of the things that happens is it like decrystallizes the pineal gland and also it forces your cerebral spinal fluid to circulate at a faster rate and it'll actually stimulate the pineal gland to dump a little DMT into your system. And I started practicing that and I think it can be dangerous if you don't do it right, but I felt like I had a pretty good grasp on it. Anyway, so I start meditating, I start doing some really heavy breath work and I start to push my cerebral spinal fluid and I'm feeling like some really powerful feelings come on and I just kind of drifted away into, uh, I was still conscious. Uh, I wasn't completely disconnected, but I was definitely in a different headspace. And I found myself in my living room of my grandmother's house where I lived when I was a little boy. My parents were divorced when I was three and for a few, I don't exactly know how long, but for a time I lived with my grandparents and they were like these angels you know, while my mom was kind of doing her thing and dealing with, 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 with her stuff, uh, I was there with my grandparents and it was this beautiful time in my life. And there's this picture that my grandmother has of me when I'm naked with a beanie on and I'm standing there in her living room with this big, huge smile on my face. And I got my hands on my hips and my little freaking Christmas lights hanging down there, you know, and it was just like this super cute, innocent picture. But that picture embodied everything that was innocent and naive and loving about me as a, as a person um, and where I was at, at that time. And, you know, later for, after that picture was taken soon after I ended up moving in with my mom and stepdad and things got a little rough for me for the majority of my childhood after that. But that picture represented my innocence. And, and so, so I'm in this meditation, I'm in my grandmother's living room and I'm staring at that little naked boy with the beanie on. And I, uh, I walked up to him and I kneeled down so that we were eye to eye and I just embraced him. I hugged him and I picked him up and I just felt this intense love for that little boy. And I, uh, I put him down and uh, I cupped his face and just looked into his eyes. And I had this incredible self-realization that I would never say the things to that little boy or to any little boy that I say about myself and to myself. And I looked at him and I said, I'm not going to beat you up anymore. You are me. And everybody 
not not everybody, but you know, we we hear a lot about how you know we need to connect with our inner child and loosen up and have fun. But I think I understand what that means on a little deeper level now. Like that little boy is still alive, and he is who I really am. And if I could just let go of judgment and ego and fear of embarrassment and all of these things that we learn through our, our time as we grow into adults, if I could just let go of those things and just be that beautiful, naked, vulnerable, innocent, loving, happy little boy, how much better would my life be? You know, um, and so since, since then, I've, I've tried to make an effort to be mindful of that and to not beat myself up anymore. You know, we all make mistakes, we all make poor decisions, and we spend a lot of our time in the past. Instead of being present, we spend time in the past trying to relive these old situations and think how we could have done things better and, 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 and whatnot, but that, that time is gone. And so why do I continually beat myself up over things that I can't change? And why do I say, God, you're such a fucking idiot. I'm so stupid. You know, you know, Steven, why are you so fearful? Why are you so weak? You know, like I would never talk that way. I would never talk that way to my sons. I have two sons that look eerily reminiscent to their little blue eyed versions of me when I was a little boy. And I would never say that to them. I would just be positive to them. You know, I would be real with them and I need to be real with myself as well, but I wouldn't talk I wouldn't devalue the things that they say, you know, so why do I do that to myself? And, and, and it's easier to not do that when I remember that little boy, that, that he is there and that's who, who I really am. And if I can be more naked and more vulnerable and more happy and non-judgmental and positive and just stare at the world with my hands on my hips exposed and, you know, with a big grin on my face, you know, how much better would, could things be or how much more power would I have, you know? So, yeah. <laughs> so that happened. <laughs> and so, yeah. So hopefully since then, Craig, you've noticed a little bit of a difference because I'm trying a lot harder to not second guess myself anymore and, uh, and not beat myself up so much. So. <laughs> what do you want to say, babe? Uh, thank you for letting me see, letting us, letting, letting see that part of you, right. for sharing that. That was so beautiful. I just want to tell you, go like find a nudist colony, go get on a nude beach, <laughs> go go have fun, go be exposed, go let all that out. Yeah. <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah. Oh. Wow. Like, I'm just, I'm really moved. I'm kind of, I don't have a lot of time trying to find words right now. I just want to sit in it. That was, wow. That's a cool Thank experience, you. man. Yeah. Thank you. And it's powerful. I remember when you talked about it, when you shared it and everything like mm -hmm. that, it's powerful. And I have seen a shift and a change in that. <clears throat> Do you know Thank what I mean? You. Yeah. I have a long way to go, but I'm, I'm, I'm trying. I really am. I want to ask you if, if they're, <laughs> where you're at right now in your life, like, you know, if we take a snapshot of your life and that snapshot is this big picture that has everything in your life, what, not what would you change? Cause I'm fairly certain I know that the answer to that, meaning you probably wouldn't change anything, but what is missing from that picture that you want to 
bring in that you want. You know what I mean? Like if we take a snapshot of your picture and it's got your life as it stands today, it's got all your interpersonal relationships, it's got your own inner dialogue, it's got your experiences, it's got your present, you know, where you're physically at in regards to your business and your in your life and your relation everything, just this snapshot of where you're at right now. What's missing from that picture that you hope to add and bring in over the course of time, right? That you're striving to bring into that into that picture and into your life right now. Does that um, kind of make sense? Yeah, yeah. I would say the the becoming an instructor in the Wim Hof method, I, I think would be the thing that I want to see added to that picture. And and I would like to see myself shift out of cutting hair full time and doing that more and still owning the barbershop and managing it. But I, okay. If, if I'm not going to be, uh, insecure and I'm going to speak as if I'm speaking to my little boy or I am my little boy. I, I have a powerful influence on a lot of people's lives and I see it when I sit in my barber chair. Uh, just, I get text messages frequently from my clientele who are now mostly my friends who, uh, you know, say, you know, because you talked so highly of the keto diet and because you went on it and lost all that weight, like you inspired me. And, you know, like I, like I have a guy that, that comes into the shop that he's, he's a big man. Uh, you know, he's like six, six and he's probably in the, 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 the 400 pound range, maybe more, but anyway, he, he's lost 180 pounds in the last 10 months and he's moving and exercising and he's reconnected with his wife in a, in a romantic way. And she's on board with everything that he's doing and they work out together. And he credits me as being one of the major factors in that huge change in his life, just because I shared my life with him and all of the things that have happened to me and continue to happen to me have, I, I have all benefited the people around me. And so I feel like I'm meant to be some kind of teacher or some kind of influence and teaching the Wim Hof method is my, I think that's the way that I'm going to be able to do that. So, um, yeah, I, I think I have a beautiful gift to give to this world and, uh, and I'm looking for other ways to, to share that gift with, with others. So yeah, I, th I think that and hopefully that answers the question, but yeah, it is definitely becoming an instructor in the Wim Hof method. That's what was a huge catalyst for me becoming the man I am today. So that's what I want to see happen next. And, uh, that was hard for you to go through, huh? Not the Wim Hof method thing, but kind of hard to acknowledge that you have that effect over people to kind of own that space of, yeah. I am, I am this thing. I've never, I've, I've never considered myself that obviously, uh, um, 
but I'm just seeing it happen. And people keep giving me feedback constantly, keep texting me like, Hey, I really don't need a haircut, but I would just love to come and sit in your chair and be in your energy because you're so inspiring. And you always say such beautiful things and you always make me feel good. And, and I'm like, I I'm hearing that too many times too frequently to ignore it at this point. So there must be something, I must have something to give to this world. But really all I've done is just share my journey of trying to become my own shaman or guru or teacher or, you know, like I'm just trying to do that for myself so that I don't have to, I don't feel like I need to constantly go to other people for things. Like I want to be more, I want to trust my own intuition more and go deeper into myself. Um, and in the process of doing that, I share my experiences and it just blows people away. So, uh, yeah, I, I must be meant to share my little naked, happy self with the world. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, that's, that's, that's my goal. That's what I see happening hopefully soon. So you I keep giving me the look. You're like, see why I love them. Oh, yeah. Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know what else the fuck to talk about. Like, that's fucking awesome. What about you? What about me? Yeah, what with your picture? Oh no. <sighs> I, I, I feel, um, all the things that are racing through my head right now. Cause I'm, I, I, I don't, I don't want to talk about myself right now. And there's so many times on this podcast where I, uh, avoid talking. That's not true. Cause I do talk about myself, a lot, but I avoid talking about myself often because I feel like it's taking away from the guest. I feel like, you know, this isn't. Um, like this isn't the episode for Craig to talk about him or himself. This is the episode for Steven to come on and share, share Steven and share his energy. And I have to remind myself, <clears throat> I think I told Dan this at one point a long time ago. Um, like I listened to his podcast, the Everyman podcast that he hosts because I like Dan mm. and because I want to know more about Dan. And I'm like, dude, you got to talk about yourself more. Cause yeah, I like the guests and I'm interested, but I'm not engaging over and over and over again because I want to hear the guests that you have on. I want to hear more about yourself. So I have that all racing through my mind right now because I don't want to talk about myself. But at the same time, I know that that's probably a benefit in some way, shape or form. And then also when I posed that question to you, which kind of came out of thin air and the way that I uh, posed it and described it and talked about it, then as you were answering it, I was doing that thing of visualizing what my fucking picture looks like. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I have some blank spots in there. Mm -hmm. I feel like I have some spots that are dead space that are like, I visualized it very, very clearly of this big, huge, beautiful picture with all of these beautiful things that make me up and the, the people in my life that matter. Um, they're on that picture, the experiences, um, do you know what I mean? It's all this like beautiful, beautiful, beautiful fucking picture that I would, uh, have as a snapshot for where I'm at right now today. And then I could see some blank spots and like dead space is what it looked like. Mm. And that was like, fuck. And then I stopped thinking about it and just really focusing on what you were saying. Cause, uh, those dead spots or that blank, that blank, see, it seems like it's a dead spot. That's what I keep thinking of it as, but it really, it's just like a, um, it feels like blank spaces that haven't been filled in yet. 
And I think that those spaces that haven't been filled in yet are the spaces internally within myself that I'm still working on. Mm -hmm. Because <clears throat> as you were talking and as you were sharing everything like that, I like saw your picture or what I perceive to be your picture, right? And I see this big, beautiful, bright Stephen in the center of this picture and everything around him. And then I was like, oh, fuck, like, I don't see that for my picture. Like, I had a hard time even finding myself on that fucking picture. And I think those are the blank spots where I'm not. Uh, this makes me sad. Um, <laughs> fucking energy is love podcasting. Um, now I'm getting angry <laughs> and uncomfortable. This is what I was talking about last night where, um, how it's easier sometimes when we don't feel these things mm. and when we don't have awareness of them. Cause I can feel all sorts of shit coming up in my body right now. And I can feel the physical effects that it's having on me right now. And I'm getting super uncomfortable. I can feel feel like tingy, tingles and uh, sensations going up my spine and um, my words are slowing down because I'm having a hard time verbalizing the thoughts. And um, when I look at that picture for my life and the snapshot of my picture, I'm having a hard time finding myself on that, in that picture. And that makes me really sad. And I don't know what that fucking means. Like, I don't know what that fucking means for where I'm at right now, I think those dead spaces that I see are the spaces where I'm still looking for who I am and for myself. And it's like, I can see everything else that I'm like really grateful for and see everything else that's taking place in my life that I'm really happy about. And I'm really, um, glad. And then there's these blank spaces that are kind of big. And I think those are the spaces where I'm <sighs> not super connected to who I am or what I am or what I want to be or not even like what I want to be, but just not connected to myself because I'm not, I'm having a hard time finding myself on that picture right now. And I can't, I can see myself on that picture, but he's like super small and tiny and over in the corner and like hiding behind a big fucking beautiful tree and doesn't want to step out and be a part of his fucking life. Fuck this shit. I don't want to look over at you, baby, because it makes me super fucking sad. Like, it's really, really funny how um, we practice vulnerability at group and we practice being in that space. And and you've watched me time and time again. And uh, it's easier to be vulnerable with you than it is with her. Hmm. It's easier to show up and open up and stay in the space of vulnerability and the uncomfortableness that ensues with you and with group and with men than it is with her. Mm -hmm. And I think the reason is because I feel like I have more to lose with her. I have more at risk. You're going to love me no matter what. And if you stop loving me or if we stop hanging out or if we don't see each other, I'm going to be okay. You know, 
I'm much more accepting of the present moment space of the love that you and I share and being okay to show up in that space and my raw vulnerability, because if that suddenly goes away, I'm okay. I'm going to miss you Mm. and it's going to suck, but it doesn't mean that like I die Mm -hmm. and Stephanie, my love, that's why I struggle a lot with uh, really raw, open vulnerability with you because there's more at risk. There's more to lose because I love you way more than I love Stephen. (laughs) And I love Stephen a lot. And uh, if I lose you, that's a much bigger loss because you're a pretty big part of that picture go ahead I thought you were going to say something I was but then I said I was just going to lean over and do this <laughs> uh, yeah fuck man perfect time get up and go pee I'm not in the middle of anything for any <laughs> fucking shit sakes well I <laughs> figured i'd let you two have a moment yeah now go take a piss go to the one in our bedroom because otherwise we'll hear you peeing on the podcast okay and uh, nobody wants to hear that i didn't flush either when i went so then we didn't hear the toilet flush so okay go ahead what were you gonna say baby you think my love's conditional no i don't think your love's conditional at all at all this isn't where you make me feel better i'm not making you feel better that's the really (laughs) Well, we have to keep talking because you, you can edit this part out if I don't this doesn't edit work. This part well, out. then let me then chill. Okay, but <clears throat> and talk your way through the uncomfortableness till it feels better. Well, no, it's fading. Do you know what I mean? I, yeah, because you keep talking through it. I rode the wave. I don't want to sit in that wave in this exact moment in time for an extended period of time simply because we're on a podcast. And it's not that I don't want people to hear it. Okay, or Mister, it. you made you did a podcast with us fighting, so you can do a podcast with something like. You calm down for a minute. <laughs> hey. Hi. Does it make sense what I said, though? Like, it's I, easier to do it with him than it is to do with you. And it's not because I don't want to do it with you. It's because that there's more to lose in that, that space. And I know 100% that your love isn't conditional. Your love isn't, you know, your love is pure your love is 100 unconditional but um why are you shaking your head you're just trying to make me feel better i don't think you feel bad right now then why are you trying to make me feel better i'm trying to make you feel better by making me feel better I'm making it make, okay by making me I'm feel try- better. yeah i'm trying to make i'm trying to articulate what i expressed and said so that it makes sense what if i already understand I, you do because you felt me you felt what i shared <laughs> I realized the episode that we did, uh, episode, because this is, anyways, I did that shaking my head a lot. Yeah. It was funny when I went back and edited it and listened to it. So I don't know, baby. I don't know what to say at this point. We have to say something. We can't sit in awkward silence while Stephen goes and pisses on the podcast. And can't ever, right? Like, it's got to keep, keep going. Yeah. Keep going. No, don't, don't have a moment. Don't have a moment. 
would you like if when he was pausing through that moment or if I'm pausing through a moment, are you like, oh, you can't, you can't sit in awkward silence. You got to say something. Do you say that when anybody else has a moment? No, of course not. All right, then. But I, I did that. You, you talked your way out of it. Now you're well, done. right now, but in the moment I wasn't. You hear the bullshit, right? You hear the bullshit of that. <laughs> like, 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 as you would say to Stephen, I'm going to call you out on your bullshit. It is awkward and it's really hard. Um, Oh, excuse me. The, uh, like, I don't know if I've ever wholeheartedly verbalized that, but I have felt and thought that of like, it's not easy to be vulnerable with Steven. It's not easy to be in that space. And I still struggle in that space. And I still like challenge myself in that space. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, show up to men's group each week and I, I'm not, always open and vulnerable and I resist going into that space quite frequently and it's very very challenging and it's very very hard but when I finally get there and when I finally do do it it is easier because of what's at risk do you know what I mean yeah um but the part that makes me like super fucking sad right now is that idea that I'm not on that fucking picture like I'm just a small little fucking portion of it that's the part that I really have to sit with and think about and feel and expand more on because I think that's, I think there's some, there's some meat there. Like there's some, there's some answers there. And, uh, I want to figure out what those are <laughs> in the meantime, I'll just feel it rather than try to figure out what those answers are. Like it sucks to think that I'm not a part of my life. What does that fucking even mean? Do you know what I mean? That I'm not a part of my life or that I'm such a small part of my life. What, like that doesn't make any fucking sense. Does that mean that I'm not like participating in my life? Yes. In some degree. Does that mean that I don't show up in my life for me? Yeah. I, oh, yeah, it goes back to self-love and how much of a uh, value I place on that because I definitely outwardly love and support and show up for other people way more than I do for myself. I would agree with that wholeheartedly. Well, that's why... Uh, the birthday was super important and that's why this year is going to be a fucking big deal for me it was my birthday you know it was my birthday both of you yes. fucking know it was my birthday on Saturday <laughs> yeah I'm, I don't want to sit in this awkward uncomfortableness of me fumbling through my fucking words anymore so one of the two of you have got to fucking speak Stephanie I love you love you too are you going pee now? it's my turn okay you may want to flush because <laughs> I love you. See, baby, I love you now. I feel like shit. That's okay. That's my feeling. Uh, what's up? I feel better. Good. Yeah. Yes. Feel lighter. Yeah. What do you think after what I just said? Okay. I'm, I'm thinking a lot of things. Um, I think of... 
I'm listening to what you're saying and I, I don't know if it's necessarily a bad thing to have blank spaces. Um, I'm trying, I'm trying to interpret your, your words and feelings the, the, the best way that I can. Um, I, do, do you feel like you're so involved with showing up for everybody else that you're not showing up for yourself? Is that, is that what you mean? Okay. Yeah. That I think sense. that's an aspect of it for sure. Okay. Do you want to connect with yourself or is there things in there that you're afraid of facing and feeling and I don't dealing think, with? I think there's things in there that I know are going to be difficult to face and feel and deal with, but I also don't feel like there are any unknowns. Does that make sense? Yes. I feel like I have a really good understanding of what has made me and I'm not, I'm not afraid to confront those things. However, obviously I am to some degree because I, I avoid it. Right. Yeah. You know, you described your five-year-old little self, your inner child, that kid Yeah. who it's really funny because I've heard you talk about him a lot. Like it's mm -hmm. something that you're, you know, you have shared before and things like that. Yeah. And I have a very, very clear picture of that kid, even though I haven't ever seen that picture that you mm -hmm. have. I have a very, very clear picture of that kid. Yeah. And it makes me super fucking happy that I have that. And then I try to think about, I have gone to that space in some way, shape or form with myself before. Yeah. Um, but it's been a while and I haven't, I haven't sat in that space it's almost like I had an awareness of that inner child, that little boy of who, you know, my little boy of who yeah. I was. It's almost like I watched him for a while, but never uh, connected with him, never showed up. So I know who he is. I can see him, but I never like went over and spent a whole bunch of time connecting with him and allowing him to also see me do you know what i mean yeah could he be the voice of all of the things that you're afraid of couldn't could that be coming from him yeah so when you um when you're dealing with one of your children and they're afraid how do you deal with that? As a father playing that role. I mean, my head's running now because I'm thinking of all the different, you know, examples that I have of that and all the different ways that the kids are afraid and things like that. But where I'm at today, um, I just show up and I sit with them. Do you, do you honor their fear? Do you, do you listen to it? Yeah. Do you honor and listen to your own fear? Nope. Okay. <laughs> I'll fucking tell you then. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No. I... Yeah. <sighs> well, I feel great, but I don't know what else to talk about. Okay. Just so you know, I didn't, I didn't feel like I was a guest. I just thought, 
I came here with the the expectation that it was just us going to sit around the table and shoot the shit. That's totally what <laughs> so it is. There is no there is no star of this episode. And I, no. It's just just three people. Yeah, no, that's always my internal dialogue, right? Mm-hmm. Is because that's what that's why I like the podcast because it is just that conversation. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I don't, I hate, I don't, I don't, I don't. Yeah. No, that's what it is. It's just a conversation with us. Okay. Good. Steph, I love you. You have got to. Uh, yeah. Do you want to say anything before we wrap up, baby? I do. Okay. I'm gonna stretch. Okay. Because I'm worth it. So, um, mine wasn't hard. My picture, because, um, it was like obvious right off the bat. I'm not in it. Like one one hundred percent, it wasn't a question. It was like, oh, this is so sad, or what is missing. It was like, oh, me, and then that was it. And I just kind of settled into that, like nothing. And then you had this big production over yours, and I'm like, oh, I'm supposed to be upset by that. And then I didn't get upset until I thought, God, I'm so far from the picture that nobody even thought to ask me what mine was. So I'm gonna paint myself in the picture. I'm gonna put myself in there. Whether anybody thinks to look at it or not, here I am. That's my stretch. That's what I want to say. Now I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Steven, thank you very much, man. You're welcome. I appreciate it. I love you. Thank you. I love you too. I love you both. I'm so happy (laughs) that I got to share in the space with you. I'm so happy to know you. Thank Thank you. you. You're welcome. (laughs) I thought it was being humble and it's not humility. It's self-hate and self-punishment. Yeah, I, I think I have a beautiful gift to give to this world, and, uh, and I'm looking for other ways to, to share that gift with others. You're like this ball of light in a dark place. I was starting to think you were talking about avocados and handcuffs, and this was going to go someplace like kinky for a minute. <laughs> oh.